Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Hey, good morning and welcome to Home Church. Again, my name's Kenny. I serve as the lead pastor here. Um, have you ever really messed up in your life? Like, really messed up? Man, I want to tell you a really funny story. So uh, when I first got into ministry, I stepped on staff at a church called New Spring Church. Uh, incredible church. God taught me so much. They're friends and partners of ours still today. In fact, several of their staff have preached here before and will again in the future. Um, but my first job was on staff as a next steps pastor. And so part of my job was to set up and to lead baptism. And so uh, all of the time, like one of the things I would do is I'd have to, on Thursday, which was kind of the end of our work week, uh, I'd set up the baptistry and I would start running the, the water in the, in the pool. Well, for whatever reason this week, I, I, I was out of town or for some reason I, I wasn't there on Thursday. So Friday, uh, I went and I set the, the pool up. Friday's normally a day off for me. Uh, at that time, Katie was, uh, wasn't working. And so what I'd do is I'd go and I'd run the water in the pool and I'd kind of work a little bit. Well, I got to this point this Friday where it was almost done. I had about 15 minutes left more of running the water. And so I, I dropped my car off across the street at this little mechanic and they were going to do my oil change. So I was like, all right, cool. I've got just enough time. Let me run over there, pick up my car. I'll come back. I'll turn the water off. And uh, I'll go home and we'll kind of like be about our weekend. And so, uh, so I did. I, I took off. I shut down my office. I ran across the street and grabbed my car and uh, promptly uh, drove straight home. Uh, Katie and I at this time, we were neck deep in this series called Gilmore Girls. Now, I, I take no pride in telling you that. Um, but we were about two and a half episodes into Gilmore Girls when I got a phone call from our properties director. And instantaneously when his name popped up, I knew. Like, listen, there was this, like I, like, I thought my soul came out of my body in this moment because I was like, oh my gosh, I know. And like, I didn't even, I knew it was like that moment of crazy, insane franticness because I realized immediately what I had done. And for the span of about two and a half hours, that water continued to run and overflow uh, into a building and into an auditorium. Not good. Um, and so I walk in, and there's lit water all throughout the atrium. Like, literally, water is everywhere in the auditorium. You're walking, and it's squishing. And I had this just moment of like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get fired. I really did. I, I thought in that moment, like, I was going to get fired. And so I had this, this paralyzing moment of like this thing that I created, this mess that was just, and I didn't know how to do this. This was beyond my scope of trying to clean this up. Like, what am I going to get a mop and a squeegee? And, you know, and so I, I had thank the Lord. The Lord was kind to me in this moment, and he, he brought this man's name to my memory, and a, a guy in our church had a, a, a carpet cleaning business, and so I called Richie, and I said, Richie, man, you got to help me. <laughs> I've like really messed up. And so Richie shows up and he's got this industrial vacuum uh, van and he, he like then comes, he's got a trailer on the back that he's got like six of those huge industrial, you know, fans. And all of a sudden Richie just gets to work. He's sucking out all this water. He's, you know, got these fans blowing all over the place. And, and I, he was like, Hey man, I got this. You can go home. I'm like, Richie, I, 
bro, this was my mess. Like, I, got, I, I feel bad. I can't leave you. He's like, no, 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 just, just go. So Richie stayed pretty much for the next day and a half. And I, he and I talked a little bit. Don't think I was that irresponsible. But, um, but I show up Sunday morning, and it was pretty crazy. Uh, aside from, you know, me knowing, it, it looked like nothing had really happened. And so I don't know if you can relate to something like that. And usually a lot of things that we mess up are things that honestly, out of our own stupidity, out of our own laziness, out of our own lack of awareness, things that even decisions that we make, like we mess it up. Have you ever been in that place where you've like truly just, man, just truly messed it up? I know many of us can relate to that. Um, It's just this thing that we have done. All of us, I think, can relate to it. And so here's where I want to go today. We're in the series called This Is Our God. And at the beginning of the year, we kind of set forth saying that this year, we wanted to do what Jesus teaches in Matthew 7. And Jesus said in Matthew 7 that if you build your house on the rock, the solid foundation of who God is, that when the storms come and the winds blow and and, and the rain hits, that that the house will remain and stay strong. But anyone who builds their house on the sand, it would fall and collapse. It would be chaos. So we set out this year to really place our spiritual house and corporately this house on the rock. And so we've been in a series called This Is Our God where we've been teaching some of the foundational understandings of who God is, teaching some doctrine, this real fancy church word of really just a belief system to try to help us not just know who our God is, but understand him and know him better. And so we've been walking through this. Week one, we talked about how our God is Yahweh. He's one true God. He exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, and he exists in one essence. Last week, we leaned into creation, and we talked about how our God is a creator God and how he created all things. We talked about that we believe that he created the earth in six literal days. We believe that he created uh, man and woman and the institution of marriage. We believe that he set some of these things in place from the very beginning. We also said that we believe God created us, and he created us uniquely, but for a purpose. And so today, we're going to lean into this idea um, uh, of our God, and we're going to talk about the idea of how things have changed. Because last week, you might remember that I I highlighted that when God talks about his creation, he said that not only it's good, but it's very good. And so my my question and the idea that I want to lead you from today with is this. How did we go from the creator God saying that what he has created is not just good, but it's very good? How did we get there to what you and I would probably look at this world and the insanity that we see and not just call it bad, but we would probably call it very bad? And seemingly, day after day, week after week, especially in an election year, it's getting worse and worse. Well, how did we get to this place? How did we go from perfection to fallenness? I want to talk you through that today. And so if you have your Bible, I'll invite you to join me in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to spend most of our time there. Genesis chapter 3. If you've downloaded the Home Church app, all the scripture and the sermon notes are going to be right there available for you. If you're watching online or a little later, we're going to throw it at my feet. If you're in the room, you don't have any of those things, we're going to put it on the screen. And so I have, uh, like I've been doing every week, there are some things that I think you need to know about God. And so today, there are four things that you need to know about God, all right? 
Four things that you need to know about God. If you're taking notes, here's point number one. Point number one is this. God's creation was very good. Sin messed it up. Point number one. God's creation was very good. Sin messed it up. Here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, and by the way, anytime the enemy is going to try to draw you away from God, this is the way to do it. He will question what did God really say and make you wonder if you heard it right. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Real quick. Uh, she's elaborating here because God didn't say all that. God just said, don't eat it. He didn't say, if you touch it, you'll die. So even here, we see in these first moments how, man, sometimes we just don't listen to what God actually says. <laughs> Verse four, this is, the, this, this is the serpent or Satan speaking. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. I want you to I'm just pause in there because I need you to feel this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I've always wondered what the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day sounded like. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. I want you to understand that the, the original sin, the original sin that was created, we really mislabel it in a lot of ways. Um, Eve, uh, really, she was disobedient to God, yes, but really when you boil it all down, here is the problem. Here was where sin entered, and it was from a lack of faith. Original sin came about because of a lack of faith. Eve did not have enough faith to trust God at his word. She did not have enough faith to believe that what he had already provided for her was good enough. Eve was not strong enough to trust that God was good enough, that he was better than her desires. This is where many of us get ourselves in trouble. We don't think that we can be satisfied what God for what God has to offer us. We don't think that we can actually trust God, and so we try to do it ourselves. We don't think that, we can, uh, that he will work on our behalf and for our good, and so we take things into our own hands. We don't take him at his word, and so we listen to other voices who speak something that we'd rather hear. This is what happens. We fall to sin and then hide ourselves and separate from God. Did you see what happened before Adam and Eve, this moment, they were walking around the garden and they were naked. They were walking with God. They felt no shame, the Bible said. 
Then all of a sudden, there's this moment where uh, a lack of faith, a lack of trust, original sin comes in. And then God shows up and they hid from him. I think I could literally stop right there and just preach a message just on that about how often our sin separates us from God. And not only does it separate us from us spiritually, but we separate ourselves from him physically as well. We go hiding because we're afraid and because we become aware of our real state. This is what addiction looks like. It's it's really, it's a lack of trust that God can provide for us, that he can satisfy our needs. This is where cheating comes from because we don't feel like God's going to provide what we need in our own spouse or in our own mate or in our own whatever it might look like. We, we just take it into our own hands. This is what it looks like when we make a mess and we don't have the capacity to clean it up ourselves. Man, I, I just remember standing in this puddle and being like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? God, uh, and so here's what I, I need you to see this, okay? Creation was very good. Sin entered the world, and it was from a lack of faith. That was original sin. I'm gonna, I want to talk about that a little more in, in a few minutes, and so I want to come back to that. But I, I need you to know point number two here next, which is, uh, if you're taking notes, point number two, God provides a way for the sin to be forgiven. God provides a way for the sin to be forgiven. The story goes on in verse 11, uh, and he said, who told you that you were naked? This is God speaking. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, man, blame shifting, right? Men, let's not do that. You'll get yourself in a lot of trouble. I know. (laughs) She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. You see, when God has this encounter with them, he's, he's confronting them. They've already sinned. We can't change that. They couldn't have changed that in that moment. They've already showed a lack of trust, a lack of faith in God. They were disobedient to what he asked of them. They sinned. Now, I know that's a, not a very fun and popular word in our culture, um, but, but I want you to understand what, what sin is. Sin is actually an archery term. Uh, I have several friends who are archers. In fact, uh, I grew up running uh, camps, and so I became actually quite good with a recurve bow. Um, And sin is this idea, it's an archery term of missing the mark. If you've ever imagined or seen someone firing a a, a bow towards a bullseye, whenever it's literally a term, when you miss the mark, it's called sin. This is what uh, God tells us that when we miss his mark, when, which is, by the way, perfection. Hello. That's a little scary. But when we miss his mark, we're disobedient to what he told us. We, we don't have and trust him with faith. The Bible calls that sin. Okay? Now, what God is seeking from Adam and Eve in this moment is he realizes he's aware that sin has happened What he's asking of them is how they're going to respond. They ran and hid. He wanted to have a conversation because he wanted them to turn away from their sin. It's another kind of churchy word, but maybe you've heard it. It's called repentance. I want you to understand what repentance is. 
Uh, when we sin and we've missed the mark, really what it means is we're walking in this direction and we've missed the mark because we should be walking in that direction. That's God's. What repentance is, is changing our mind to realize walking this way is not good. It is against God. And when we repent, it literally means to turn, to make up our mind to turn and walk towards the ways of God. That's what repentance is. That's what God wanted from Adam and Eve in that moment. Rather than repenting and acknowledging and turning and turning back to them, they blame shifted. This woman you gave me, the devil deceived me. There's all these excuses rather than saying, my God, you were right, and I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? This is what God seeks from us. There is a way for sin to be forgiven, and it starts with repentance. I want you to see this. Uh, these are going to show up on the screen. First uh, John uh, in uh, chapter 1 in verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, watch this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us all from, un from all unrighteousness. This is important. That if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us. Here's what Proverbs says in chapter 28 and verse 13. Whoever conceals their sin, like Adam and Eve, whoever is hiding, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. See, there's a huge difference in sin. We're all going to sin. We're going to talk about this in a moment. You've all sinned. You were actually born sinful. Because of this moment, Adam and Eve, everything born from them has now been born from sin. But God says that there is a way to be forgiven of that sin and is to repent, to confess. He is just and kind and merciful to forgive us of our sins. But there's something else you need to know about God. Number three. Uh, point number three is this. There are consequences to our sin. Man, I know I'm catching with all the unpopular words that people don't like to hear in our culture. Sin, repentance, consequences. Man, next he's going to say submit. He's got all the cuss words covered today. <laughs> Point number three, there are consequences to our sin. I want you to see the consequences that immediately happen to Adam and Eve. We're continuing on in Genesis, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, so by the way, there were consequences for the serpent as well. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. <laughs> I think of like kids, like in an old Western movie, eat dust. <laughs> Verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. But really quickly, I got, I got to just point this out. This is God speaking ahead to and foreshadowing Jesus. He's, he's speaking, yes, he's speaking about Eve and Adam and the serpent in this moment, but he's talking to Satan and he's talking ultimately that the serpent will strike Jesus' heel, but Jesus will stomp him out. This is foreshadowing of Christ Jesus. Verse 16, to the woman, so here come her consequences, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe. Women, who's upset with Eve right now? 
With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire, interesting, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Man, we want to talk about submit now? (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm just joking. There's a correlation and a connection to desire. That sin came and started because of desire. It's a fleshly thing in us. We all have it. Our ability or our inability to say no to sin, to say no to our flesh, is critical. And then to Adam, he said, verse 17, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you and through painful toil, You will eat food from it in all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam and his wife, excuse me, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all of the living. Friends, I I know this isn't fun teaching, and I know this isn't what you're going to get in a lot of places where they want to tell you how to live your best life now, but the reality is, is that because of the original sin, you and I were born sinful, even from birth. We were born imperfect, in need of saving. And from this moment, There have always been consequences. In fact, uh, there are always consequences to sin. For Adam and Eve, their consequences, yes, childbirth, and yes, having to work. But we miss the big one. It was death. And then from Adam and Eve, we suffer the consequences of their sin. Generations, times, whatever, later. Because you and I also suffer the consequence of physical death. Friend, I I need you to hear this. I love you. And your God loves you. But there are consequences to our sin. There are earthly consequences and there are physical consequences. But primarily, there's a death consequence. We call this original sin. So really quickly, anything born out of Adam and Eve, including their children and thus to us, are born with what we call the doctrine of original sin. Meaning that from our birth, we are born with sin in our lives. It's the reason that we don't have to uh, teach our children to fight back and to bite and to say no to us and be disrespectful. It's just in them, right? It's in us. But this is true for me and you as well. The same consequence that was true of Adam and Eve is true for me and you. That because of our sin, when we're born, we will die. We will physically die. But not only do we have a physical death, but there is also a spiritual life that we have to consider. A spiritual death would mean that at the end of our days, we would spend our eternity in hell. Dead. No life. No hope. 
The other opportunity is for us that in faith we receive Christ Jesus, we actually get the gift of life. And I know you're thinking, well, I'm breathing, I'm living. Oh yeah, you've got a life, but it will die too. Your, your body will die, but your spirit will live forever. And the thing on offer for you in Christ Jesus is to believe in him and that your life, your spiritual life would live with him forever. We call it heaven. It'll be a place. It'll be a, a place where we'll dwell with him forever. It's heaven. But there's something that I think a lot of, because you're sitting in a church. Most of you are believers. You have put your faith in Christ Jesus. And so you might be thinking, Pastor, how does this apply to me? Well, believer, I need you to hear this. There are consequences to your sin still too. And yes, I know that, and we're gonna talk about this. I know you've been forgiven and I know that Christ's blood has covered you, but there are still earthly consequences to our sin. They can be forgiven. It's not fun teaching. I know no one wants to hear it. But the good shepherd tries to lead you in a place that you won't fall off the cliff, ruin your life, ruin your marriage. I want to invite you to turn from sin, to repent. Because point number four is this. God has provided a way to be reconciled to him. See, because our sin, our original sin, separates us from him. He is holy, like we sang today. He is righteous. He is living. But we are not. We are unrighteous. We are unclean. We are separated from him in our original state. But he gives us the opportunity. And he is, by the way, God has always made a way for his people to be reconciled to him. I want you to see this. He actually provided Adam and Eve this moment as well. Most people never see this in Adam and Eve's story, but it's a beautiful sign of God's forgiveness and his kindness and his mercy, even to them and to us. The way to be forgiven of your sin has always been for God. One thing has to happen. One thing. The shedding of innocent blood. That's all. I don't get it. I don't understand. If I were God, I'd probably run a different route. I'd run a different play. I'd come up with a different idea. But guess who ain't God? Your boy. But for our God, who created all things, put it into place, he says that the one way for us to be forgiven of our sins is through the shedding of innocent blood. Watch this for Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Most people just right by. Question, how did God get the garments of skin? God provided a sacrifice of innocent blood from an animal. And, and in reality, for the length of journey until we get to Christ Jesus, this was the way God provided for his people. It was called the sacrificial system. If you read through uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, all these things, you start to see all this stuff, and it gets a little gory and all that stuff. But there's a sacrifice that would have to be made. The, the killing, the shedding of innocent blood for the forgiveness or the remission of sins, it's been God's way. And then... 
at a specific, unique, perfect moment of time, God himself, God incarnate, through Christ Jesus comes to earth to provide an even better way. An even better way. Because God himself came to earth through the form of his son. He lived a perfect life, obedient to the law. This is why the virgin birth is so critical to what we believe. When we speak of the virgin birth, this is critical because Jesus was not born of human blood. He was born of Holy Spirit conception. Now, let me also say this. If you were born in a Catholic tradition, we have venerized and we have made Mary holy and part of the Godhead. Let me just lovingly say she is not. Now, she served her purpose incredibly, and we're grateful for Mary. But she is not a part of the Godhead. She is not to be worshipped. She is not to be prayed to. Jesus lived a perfect life. And ultimately, he would be put on trial. And he would be crucified where he would shed his blood. He would be beaten and bruised like the scriptures foretold. His blood, which was innocent, was shed for you on Calvary. There in those moments where he hangs on a cross... He pays the penalty, the price for your sin, which was death. He paid for it for all of mankind in that very moment. We call this substitutionary atonement. God atoned for your sin and he was your substitute. You should have been the one on that cross. You should have been the one who died. It should have been your death, but he paid the price for you. They put him in a tomb, and at that moment, he would have just been another man had he died. But three days later, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he got back out of the grave, and he walked the earth for 40 days. He showed that he is God. And right now, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus Christ is the perfect sacrifice. He is the blood that covers you and forgives you of your sin if you put your faith in him. So friends, here's what I wanna, I wanna share with you this. This is what the Bible says about this atoning love. We've all sinned. Here, here's, I just wanna walk you through this. This is gonna go very quickly. It's gonna be on the screen. But here's what the Bible teaches us in Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. Me and you, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God, his perfection was what was sought after. None of us have hit that mark. We've all sinned. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friend, if you are a believer, you need to still rejoice over this, that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. He paid the price for you. He loved you that greatly. If you sit here right now and you've never put your trust in Jesus, what an unbelievable thing to have your eyes open to that while you've messed it up and while you've been doing your own thing and chasing after the desires of your own heart and flesh, that while you are still yet a sinner, Christ died for you. What unbelievable love. Romans 6.23 says this. It reminds us of what we know to already be true. For the wages of sin is death. You and I, because of our sin, we have earned death death. But, this is one of my favorite buts. I love big biblical buts. But, 
The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of life in eternal life is in Christ Jesus. That's the answer. So you might be thinking, okay, pastor, I think I start to see it. Adam and Eve, man, they really messed this thing up. But then God cleaned it up, provided a way. But pastor, I've messed it up. Man, I don't know how to clean this up. I've ruined my marriage. I've messed with my kids. I, I, my finances are in ruins because I've messed it up at work. Like, there's so many things in my life I've messed up. How do I fix it? I've sinned greatly. I know it. I know. I'm aware. How do I fix it? The Bible teaches us this in Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you would be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, made right. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So that day that I overflowed the pool, thought I was going to get fired. This was a huge mess. A day and a half later, I stood in that very pool that I had overflowed. And I stood there ready to baptize people. And maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but baptism is a symbolic act in our faith. It's one of the things that Christ Jesus tells us to do. And it's symbolic because what it represents when we stand in the water, it represents our old life. All of our sin, all of the things that we've done, all of the mess-ups that we've created. That's what it represents when we stand in the water. And then when we're lowered into the water, it represents our old life dying. We become just like Jesus Christ because Christ Jesus died for us. We actually die to our old self that was just standing there, all of the mess-ups included. It's dead. It's gone. And then the moment of celebration when we raise people back up out of the water, it represents the new life that they have in Christ Jesus. It represents Christ coming back to life. It is a powerful moment of celebration. It's a big deal. And that moment, I remember that Sunday, was even more special for me. Because as I would stand there and I would dunk people and raise them out of the water every single time. Not only was I reminded of God's faithfulness in their life, but I was reminded of the mess that I had created of my own will, my own doing, just moments later, and his grace and mercy even for me. That I would still get to stand in this holy moment to baptize someone despite my mess up. I thought my ministry was gone. I thought I was going to get fired. I thought my livelihood was going to go away. And yet he was kind and merciful, even in my mess-ups. You see, the thing about it is, is that it's way worse than just a mess-up. Sin is life or death. Even for us believers, there are consequences to our sin. And so here's how I want to wrap up today. I think there are 
a couple of different kind of people in the room. I want to just acknowledge maybe where you sit today. Uh, Maybe you're in the room and at some point across your journey, you realized that you were separated from God. You put your faith and your trust in Jesus. You repented of your sin. You turned towards him and you believed by faith. And along your journey, you've sinned, but you've been aware of that. And today you're in a good place because when you sin and you are convicted of that sin, you turn from it, you seek God's repentance, and you're walking in a healthy place. It's awesome. I love, I love that. T- today, I hope that God would speak to you and remind you of his mercy and his goodness to you to be faithful and just to forgive you. Maybe you're sitting in the room today and you've had a similar experience, except maybe right now you are actively walking in sin. You're aware of it. You know it. You just refuse to do anything about it. You've put your faith in Jesus. You've seen him save you and forgive you. But right now there's something that has a stronghold in your life, something that is pulling you away, that is separating you both spiritually and physically from God. You are fully aware that you are in active sin. You are missing the mark. And today I want to call on you to seek God's forgiveness in that, to repent of it to repent of the sin that is keeping you and holding you back from God's fullness in your life right now. He's just and faithful to forgive, but he calls us to confess. And then maybe the the last person in the room, maybe you're sitting here and you've never put your trust in Christ Jesus. The idea of church and and God and living this holy, perfect, like, you know, goody two-shoes life has maybe never really been something that you've chased after, but maybe some things have recently not been going very well in your life. You've dealt with some difficult circumstances. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's some separation of some relationship. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's health. And maybe you showed up today because you've actually been trying to wander your way towards God, but you sit here today and you're like, boy, have I messed it up. Yo, I'm standing in the middle of a flooded room and it's bigger than I can fix. I need something bigger than me to fix all this. How do I fix it? And you've been trying. You've been trying to do the good thing. Maybe you've showed up to church. Maybe you've been, you know, uh, trying to pray a little bit. You've been listening to the Christian radio station and your cussing has gone down just a little bit. You're still smoking a, a little too much. But, but you know, you're still like, well, I'm trying. I'm trying to fix my mess. I'm trying to clean it up and I'm trying. Friend, I came to tell you today, if that's you, stop trying. You cannot fix your own mess. You can't do it. You're not good enough, you're not powerful enough, you're not, you are not God. You cannot forgive yourself of your sin. Now, there's a part where you're going to have to move on, but there's only one way throughout all of creation that God has made for us to be forgiven of our sins, and it is through the shedding of innocent blood. And I tell you that over 2,000 years ago, the most precious blood was shed on your behalf that yet while you were still a sinner Christ died for you and he ordained this very moment for you to put your faith and trust in him to be forgiven so friends I'd invite you to do me a favor would you bow your heads and close your eyes and and over these next few moments I I just want to lead you through 
really just a time of consideration, a time to respond. As I spoke about maybe those three types of scenarios, I just wonder if you're considering your heart, and I believe God is speaking to you right now, that you would be aware of which one of those you are. God's been good and faithful and merciful in your life and you're walking with him. Praise him. Celebrate that in your heart. May it summon up and grow your faith. Maybe you know Christ Jesus, but you're actively living in sin and he is right now through his Holy Spirit who resides in you, offering the greatest form of love he can give you, which is conviction over your heart to help you see where you are wrong. And if you sit here today and there's something inside of you that makes you feel like I've been talking to you the whole time, I've been staring you down, everything I've been saying today was for you, let me just lovingly say this. That is not me. That is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you and drawing you home, saying this, son, daughter, I've already paid the price for you. Simply put your faith in me. Come home. So here's what I want to give you a chance to do today. We're going to respond all together. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And for for this moment, this is for those who maybe have never put your trust in Christ Jesus. The Bible said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, that you would be saved, that you would be forgiven, that you would be made right. And so I would ask everyone in the room to pray this prayer with me out loud for the benefit of someone who may be praying it for the first time, who needs to openly confess Christ Jesus. Would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I am a sinner and I am lost without you. I need you in my life. Will you forgive me? I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you were raised from the dead. Today, I put my trust in you. Help me learn to follow you and turn from my sin the rest of my days the best I know how. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I'm not moving on. I have something for everyone today. But if that was you for the first time, you prayed that prayer, you received Jesus, you were lost and now you've been found. No one's looking around. It's just me. Would you do me a favor just to quickly slip your hand up? I'd love to just, I'd just love to see your hand if that was you. You prayed that prayer. You received Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, I know this is going to be weird, but would you stand to your feet? And as you do, I'll invite you to continue to, I know it's weird. You can open your eyes to stand to your feet and then close your eyes again. If you don't have to leave, do not leave. I know we're pushing time. This is a holy moment. Um, for my staff and elders, uh, prayer team, if you would come to the front, spread out all along the way if you could, make room for people. There is an opportunity for you to respond. If, you're, if you are a part of the group of people that God's speaking to today, and you know that there is actively sin in your life, I want you to see this. Look at, look at what the book of James says right here. I want you to see this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let me say this very carefully. When you confess to Jesus, he forgives you. But when you confess to someone else, you are healed. So friends, today, there is forgiveness and healing on offer for you. Whatever business God's been doing with you, whatever spirit he's been stirring up in you and convicting you of, this is gonna be a moment. We're gonna sing a classic song. You all know it. But over these next few moments, I would just beg of you to do business with God. The front of the altar here is gonna be open. If you just need to do business with God and confess to him, you can do that. All across the room are righteous people who love you, who wanna pray with and for you, for you to confess your sin and be healed of it. To be healed of it. You don't have to walk out of those doors still carrying that mess today. It is on offer for you. So Father, over these next few moments, I pray that you would stir up your sons and daughters, that you would remind them of how good you are, that you would hear their prayers of confession. You would be faithful as you always are to forgive. But God, that you would give boldness to some people to step out of their seat and to come and to confess and to find healing today for what ails them. God, may you show them grace and mercy. Bind them up, gird them up, build their faith today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you need to do business with God or with someone, please, please move. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.